silent night, this is the scene we've come to know. But was it really that silent? Was everyone calm and bright? Join me for today's podcast where we will take a look at the nativity story. Hello and welcome to our Follies End podcast. I'm Jessie Marquis and Merry Christmas. I can't quite believe that it's December already. I'm sure I'm not the only one when I say that 2020 has been a year we will never forget. I don't think I'll ever be able to hear 2020 being used to describe clear vision again. I think we can safely say that this year has killed that saying. But rather than talk about the months that have passed or the future ahead, I wanted to take today's podcast to focus on Christmas and the story of Jesus' birth. I'm sure like lots of you, when I think of the nativity scene, I think of the way our society has spent decades portraying it. A barn-like structure with nothing around it. Clean hay, a little donkey, or maybe a few sheep, with Mary dressed in blue lovingly looking at her little baby in a manger and Joseph by her side. It's funny because that image isn't one that's really in the Bible. On closer inspection, Jesus arrived with a bang, in hard circumstances, and came at great cost for his family and those around him. Out of the four Gospels, only Matthew and Luke write about the birth of Jesus. Matthew's account is very short, whereas Luke gives us a little more detail. Did you know there's no mention of Mary riding a donkey to Bethlehem? Let's talk about what I mean by hard circumstances. In Luke 1 verse 26, it says that the angel Gabriel came to Mary who was in Nazareth to tell her she was going to have a baby. In Luke chapter 2, we're told that Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first time that that had happened. I'm sure you can imagine the upset everyone felt at the time, being told by their government that they had to leave their place of residence and travel great distances to be counted in the city of their birth. Israel was a country under the rule of Roman Empire. The Jewish people were for the first time being told they had to be counted. I'm sure they must have felt a great imposition of their freedom. A heavily pregnant Mary had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which is just under 100 miles. That's two hours by car, 25 hours by horse, or a whopping 33 hours by foot. A similar distance, to give you some perspective, is London to Birmingham. Whichever way they travelled, it wouldn't have been easy for her. I spent the first half of 2020 massively pregnant. I struggled walking up a hill, never mind travelling huge distances like that, without a car. It's no wonder then that the Gospel of Luke tells us that soon after arriving in Bethlehem, her baby was born. And we can assume it took them some days to arrive, since there was no room anywhere when they finally did get there. Everyone had arrived before them. We know that an angel told Mary she was going to have the Son of God, but other than that, there's no mention of a second word from God. And we can assume that the angel Gabriel visited at the beginning of her pregnancy, since she herself didn't know she was pregnant. Nine months is a long time to fight any doubt, which I'm sure would have come her way. And now she's massively pregnant, 
traveling miles away from her family, and there is no place for her to give birth to the Son of God. If that were me, I'd have a thing or two to say about it. Not exactly what you would call smooth sailing. In fact, we often think that life will be easy when we're doing what God has called us to do. That's a misconception. Soon after Jesus was born, before his eight-day-old confirmation, see Luke 2 verse 21, an angel appeared in a dream to Joseph and tells him to rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. In Matthew 2 verses 13 to 17, when Herod hears that Jesus has been born and fled Israel into Egypt to escape him, he is so angry that he orders all the boys under two to be killed in Bethlehem. I have two children under two, one of which is a son. I cannot imagine anything worse. Certainly it's not the quiet nativity scene we've come to know. So before we are even past Jesus being eight days old, his family have been told to leave their home. They fled to Egypt. An entire town of baby boys have been killed and the family of three are now running for their lives. It certainly puts our current year of events into perspective. Right from the moment Jesus arrived, the enemy was after him. There will always be those that seek to destroy God's plans for our lives. I think it's very interesting that the Gospel of Luke goes on to talk about Jesus' confirmation at the temple when he was eight days old. There he has two prophecies. See Luke 2 verse 21. Could it be that those prophecies meant a huge deal to Mary? It's certainly worth being mentioned in the Bible. Did they keep her going? keep her believing that Jesus was the Son of God? I myself have heard God speak directly, only to doubt myself a few moments later. And although I know she was a greater woman than me, since she was chosen to be the mother of God, she was still just a woman. In the midst of the nativity story, there are some amazing moments. Wise men were guided by a star in the sky. Let's think about that for a moment. How big was that star that king stopped what they were doing to follow it? They went to the palace of Herod first, because it appeared the star must have something to do with royalty. That's a pretty big star. On a side note, I love their gifts. Gold, frankincense and myrrh. We know what gold is, and frankincense was often burnt as an incense, an offering to God while myrrh was used for medicine and perfume. They are pretty extravagant gifts, even for the day, and to receive them when you're in a manger. When myself and my now husband visited Israel, we saw pictures of the manger, and it was a very small room, nothing like what we picture in our minds today. Can you imagine being a new mum, feeling a bit shocked and exhausted, as you do after childbirth? and the Magi, the kings, turn up with massively over-the-top gifts. And by the way, there is no mention of how many kings there were. I have no idea where they got three from. I can only assume it's because in Luke's gospel, there's three shepherds and three gifts, perhaps. 
angels appeared to shepherds, filling the sky, singing, Glory to God in the highest heavens, and on earth peace to those whom his favour rests. Peace on earth to those whom his favour rests. If you've asked God into your heart, into your life, then his favour rests on you. Because of Jesus, you are now a child of God, a God who will protect you. And in the middle of adversity, in the middle of difficult times, he will hide you. He will talk to you and tell you what you need to do. Jesus and his family were saved from Herod through a dream. Are such warnings reserved for Jesus only? Can we expect the same level of protection? Absolutely. Psalm 91 verses 5 to 7 says, You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by the day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. In the middle of hard times, God performed a great miracle. Jesus, the Son of God, was born. It's worth reminding ourselves that even when those that govern us impose restrictions, or when circumstances are difficult, or when we're facing grief, God's plan for our lives are bigger than the current circumstances. We are not the first to go through hard times, nor will we be the last. But our God is bigger than all of that. My husband said recently that in the grand scheme of things, our current position is fleeting, but God's plan for our lives is everlasting. God is a loving God. One of my favourite passages is Jesus himself telling us who his Father is. Matthew 7 verse 9. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? At this weird time, Christmas 2020, if you're with your family or if you're not, it's worth remembering why we had Jesus. John 10 verse 10, Jesus tells us, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The end message of Jesus is peace and life in abundance. Peace between God and man, because Jesus bridged the gap for us. Whatever you're going through this season, remember this. God can send a sky full of angels in the middle of your darkest night. He cares about you so much, he sent his son, because he doesn't want to spend eternity without you. You are precious and loved. Jesus came so that you could live life in all its fullness. Nothing and no one can stop that. Luke 12 verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus tells us not to worry. God wants to give us the kingdom, and the kingdom is full of every good gift and an eternity spent with your Father God. 
So from everyone here at Folly's End, we wish you a wonderful Christmas. May you find peace. May you feel God. And may you remember that your daddy is a big God and nothing can stop him from working all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his plan. Until we speak again, God bless. Be kind to yourself and each other. And don't forget, you can get more information at folliesandtrust.co.uk or follow us on Facebook, Follies and Trust.